Pastor is as well. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Pastor. Would you give Pastor a thank you for allowing me to be here tonight? He's the reason I'm here. He found out I was in New Orleans, and he said, hey, why don't you just, you know, we can schedule this another time. I said, no, sir. I've been waiting years to come up and meet you, so I, I'm driving all the way to New Orleans. I don't care if i got to drive in the middle of the night, take a plane, train, automobile. i got to come and hang out at the Church Alive. And so uh, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. And I just want to tell you thank you for your faithfulness in giving and supporting our ministry. Uh, my hungry wife thanks you. And uh, my grandbabies thank you. Uh, you guys, I didn't get to talk about it. Can I tell them about what God's doing with us? And so we, uh, we moved to Cookville, Tennessee. It felt like God told me to go to the mountains and call down fire. And so he said, I want you to go like Elijah to the mountains and call down fire. So we moved back to the mountains. We haven't lived home since the day we, I graduated high school and went to Bible college at Lee College in Cleveland, Tennessee, and then went into full-time ministry. I didn't pass go. I didn't collect $200. I went straight to senior pastor prison right out of Bible college. 20 years old, became a senior pastor. Can you believe that? 20 years old, becoming a senior pastor. I don't know who to feel sorry for, me, 20 years old, trying to pastor, or the people I was trying to pastor at 20 years old. And uh, we've been gone for almost 30 years, and uh, God has, has uh, of course, been good to us and used us. And we've always wanted to move back home, and so we finally decided to go back. And like I said, God spoke to us to go to the mountains and call down fire. And so we went back, and we didn't do anything for four months from September, October, November, December, and January. January 14th is my birthday. I turned 50 years old, and I said, I'm not going to do anything till my 50th birthday. That's going to be my jubilee. And so I got before God and prayed, and then we put out a Facebook ad. I just put out a Facebook guy ad and said, hey, we're in the Upper Cumberland, Tennessee area. If you're interested in studying the Bible want to go deeper in the things of God, why don't you come out and uh, be our guest? We gave them an address, and we uh, didn't really know anybody. We haven't lived there in 30 years, and to our amazement, 30-something people, I think 37 people showed up at a house we began to talk about the things of God, and people started weeping. They said, oh, could you start a Bible study next Thursday? I had set February the 16th for our first Bible study. And they said, no, 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 can you go ahead and start it next Thursday? I said, guys, I don't have anywhere to start it but a barn. There's literally a barn set in my house. And when I say a barn, it's, not even, it's a barn. And no heat. Come on, it's a barn. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And so I said, we can go to the barn. They said, let's do that. Well, on that next Thursday night, it was 32 degrees in a sleeting and rainstorm. It was so cold, I was first time I've ever preached and watched my breath fall to the ground. It was like little ice pellets falling to the ground. All of us about froze to death, but to our amazement, 77 people drove 15 miles out in the country to a barn to study the Bible together. And so I said, man, we, we need to go rent something warmer, seeing how it's February, and probably a barn's not the best place to meet in Tennessee in February. So we went and rented a conference room, and the next week we had 128 people show up, 128 adults showed up. And so every week, we're in our fourth week now, and every week it's like doubling. More and more adults are coming in this last Thursday night. I was preaching and got to the end of my message and a girl come running into the back of the hotel 
and came running up to the front and collapsed in the floor and was weeping and wailing. And I said, what's going on with you? I didn't, you know, I thought, man, I don't know what's happening with this chick. And so anyway, I said, what's going on with you? And she said, uh, she said, I was across the interstate. And she said, I was walking and something told me, come to this, this building, that there would be people in this building that could help me. And she said, I came to the building and I heard singing and I stood at the back of the door and she stood out in the foyer the whole time I preached and wept. And when we got, got time for the altar time, I was just had people stand up. She run from the back of the building, run into the front, and we had a Holy Ghost meltdown. I'm talking Holy Ghost meltdown. So <clears throat> I've always loved Evan Roberts, and Evan Roberts at the turn of the century had a prayer, bend me, Lord, and bend the church. And it, it was that prayer that God answered after 13 years that gave birth to the Great Awakening. And so we said, we're just going to call our place the bend. And we're going to have one cry, bend me and bend the church and use us to bend the nations. And so all we've done every week is gather together and do that. So <clears throat> you don't know this, but your money this week is going to a church plant, to a church plant. And uh, it'll help pay some of my personal bills, but most of the money that we're getting is going to buying equipment. We had a church pastor that uh, get just recently, this last uh, two weeks ago, called me and said, hey, uh, said we, we're watching you online and we, I want to know, do you have an equipment list of everything you need? And I said, huh, that's a dangerous question to ask a preacher. I said, yeah, I've been putting together a list, but we don't have the money for that. We're just not ready for that. He said, no, you don't understand. God spoke to us, and he said, I'm writing a check for $20,000 to pay for all of your equipment. Come on, somebody. Sorry, I had to get my Michael Jackson in there. And, uh, and I said, okay, great. You know, when preachers tell you that, you don't know if they're going to come through or not. I've had people tell me they're going to do stuff. And lo, lo and behold, two days later, I get a call from a guy at Sweetwater Music, which is in Indiana. He said, I got a big shipment that's headed your way. Folks, they bought us the finest of everything. The finest. They bought us Bose line arrays. Bose. That's the highest stuff you can buy. I said, I could have saved you some money. We could have bought some more stuff. You wouldn't have bought Bose. But anyway, they bought everything. And it has, it has just been phenomenal. It's been miraculous. You know, when God's in something, you don't have to make it happen. I said, when God's in something, you don't have to make it happen. And can I just, before I get into my message, can I just kind of speak prophetically to you tonight for a few moments as a church family? Can I just release something over you as a church family? Pastor, pastor last night made a statement about new wine and the old wineskins. And then today when we left, he talked about old wineskins. He didn't know that God's been talking to me out of Luke chapter 5 about putting new wine into old wineskins. And you know what happens when you do that, right? It ruptures, it bursts. Because an old wineskin, because of the fermentation, it took on a shape and it became brittle. It's no longer pliable. So if you put new wine, if you take all the old wine out, you put new wine in an old wine skin, then the gases from the new wine cause it to swell, and because it's brittle, it'll burst. The old wine was good, but the new wine is better. Everybody say the new wine is better. But you can't put new wine in an old system. 
Can I tell you something, Church Alive? The thing that God's going to do in you next, you've not seen it before. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard what God wants to do in you. You haven't seen it before. So don't put God in your little box. Because if you do, you're going to find out like the children of Israel who took the Ark of the Covenant and went out against the Philistines. The Bible says they shouted as they did before, but the problem is this time God wasn't in the box. Can I tell you something? God's not interested in being in your little church box. You say, well, I want to build God a church. You know David said that? Did you know David said, David was sitting in his house of cedar and he was looking out there at a tabernacle, a tent that was just a little old ragged tent and the Ark of the Covenant that he had brought back to Israel was sitting underneath that, that, that tent out there and David looked from his house of cedar and said, you know what, I'm going to build God a house. He called Nathan the prophet and he said, I want to tell you something, said the Lord. This is what David said. David said, the Lord told me to build him a house. Nathan the prophet missed it. He missed a prophecy. He said, go and do all that's in your heart, for the Lord is with you. He went back to his house, and listen to what God did. God woke Nathan up, said, you go back and you tell David, I never told him to build me a house. He said, you tell David, I told him I would make him a house. God's not interested in us building him a house. God's looking for a people so that he can make us. In the Bible, we call that the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant is that God is going to make David a house. Well, you go over to the book of Acts. What does it talk about God doing in the last days? He'll restore the tabernacle of David. He's not restoring a temple. So watch this. In Solomon's temple, the glory was there. But in Ezekiel, when the glory left, the glory never came back to the temple. Zerubbabel went back to Jerusalem, rebuilt the temple, and never dwelt there. Herod built it again and made it even more beautiful, and the glory never dwelt there. And the third temple is going to be rebuilt again, and the glory of God's not going to dwell there. You know why? Because God's not dwelling in buildings anymore. God's looking for somebody. Come on, what know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? God's not into this building. God's into you. So here's what I told our people. I'm not interested in building God a building. I'm interested in building you. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't want a building. God always likes buildings. I'm not saying that. God allowed David to tell Solomon how to build the building. God likes buildings, but God's not looking for a building to dwell in. Buildings are the result of a people who have outgrown or grown to such a place that they need a place to fellowship. That's the only reason you need a building. And I've come to prophesy to you tonight what God's about to do in you, this new thing that is about to hit this house has never been seen before, heard before. It will not look like or feel like anything that you've ever had before. It's going to be a new move, a new wind, a new ruach, a new breath that is going to come into this place and it's going to fill you and then you are going to fill the house. Right? I, talked, I told you this a little more. I gave you a little bit this morning. I'm getting ready to go to the Bible. Y'all don't think I'm preaching because I haven't quoted the scripture yet. But I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you a, some Bible here in just a minute. But can I, can I just give you one more thing? We talked about 30, 60, 100 fold. Outer court, inner court, holy of holies. Body, outer court, soul, inner court, spirit, Right? When you come to Christ, you become a sheep. I tell the pastor this early, you become a sheep. But if you stay a sheep, you'll miss out 
on some incredible things with God. Do you know why? Because it's unlawful for certain levels of intimacy to take place with a sheep. The Bible says in Leviticus, a man cannot lie with his animal like he does his wife. So there's certain things that Jesus wants to be intimate with you with, but he can't do it as long as you're just a sheep. But there's another place you can go to where you become the bride. So at a certain point, you need to grow out of a sheep mindset into the bride mindset so that there can be some intimacy to take place to reproduce some things. But did you know if you just stay a bride, you still miss out 30, 60, watch this, you've got to eventually become the body. Right? Everybody say there's more. Come on, I'm, bra- I'm baiting you for my message tonight. There is more. Everybody say there's more. Right? We've got to know there's more. So in the outer court, the inner court, the Holy of Holies. Watch this. In the outer court, we have the altar. We have the, the, the wash basin. We're always dealing with the flesh in the outer court. That's the flesh. In the inner court, we have the, the altar of incense. We have the table of showbread. We have the candlesticks, right? What do the candlesticks represent? What do the candlesticks represent? You go to Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, the candlesticks represent the churches, the seven churches. Am I telling the truth about that? The candlesticks represent the seven churches. Watch this. The churches are only in the 60-fold dimension. If you go to Revelation, you'll find out in Revelation chapter 1, John said, I was caught up in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And when you look at where he was, he said, I heard a voice behind me, and I turned to see the voice behind me. It's Revelation chapter 1. And he said, I saw the seven seven branch candlesticks. What that tells you is he was in the Holy of Holies in heaven. And he turned around to see the seven branch candlesticks. Watch this. The church experience is only in the second dimension of God's grace. The church is only there to give enough light and revelation so that you can eat the bread of the word of God so that you can enter into a dimension of worship that will carry you into another place in the realm of God's glory. Come on folks. Getting saved, filled with the Spirit, and becoming just a member of the church is good. But I cannot tell you this thing that we have going on called the church is one thing, but there's a whole dimension of God's glory that is out there for you and I to experience that we can walk in that we have never seen. And listen, the Bible says the whole earth is waiting for us as the sons of God to step into that. The whole earth. How many want more? Come on, how many want more? It's a rainy Sunday night. I know you come out because you want more, right? So I want you to take your Bibles and let's go back to where we were this morning to Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to go into verse number 9 and we'll just move from verse number 9 on down. And I want to pick up where we left off. Would that be all right this morning? And we're just going to get into a little bit more. And I want to talk to you about how I believe God wants to use you. How God wants to use you. How God wants to use you. Let's pray and ask the Holy Ghost to help us. Can we do that, Father? Holy Spirit, you're the great teacher. Now we need you to come and speak. We need you to open our ears so that we can hear. Lord, I need you to give me a clarity of mind and thought and speech that as I talk tonight, it would be as if God himself is speaking to these precious people. Father, I pray come in now and anoint what we're about to do. Anoint what we're about to do. 
anoint the words that we're about to hear and transform us into something that you've called us to be. Transform us into that place of a greater glory so that we can be used by you. We ask it in Jesus' name tonight. Everybody said amen and amen. Let's look at verse number 9, Revelation chapter 12. Hopefully you got it. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of our, His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who have accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Anybody excited that today we learn how to shut up or to silence the accuser of the brethren? Are you glad tonight that you know that you have an advocate, an intercessor who's at the right hand of the Father that any time your accuser brings a case against you, your intercessor gets in between the accusation and the judge and doesn't plead your case. He pleads his case and decrees you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you're glad about that, how about let's praise the Lord for that. Amen. But here's the key now. Listen, once you know that, how do you stay free? Because can I tell you something? Tomorrow, the accuser's coming again. Day and night, he's looking for something. How do I walk in that freedom from condemnation and shame and guilt? Let me show it to you right here. It is the next verse, verse number 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now listen to me. Every message I hear is preached about the blood. Make no mistake about it. I'm thankful for the blood. If it's not for the blood, nobody in here has any hope. I'm thankful for the shed blood of Jesus. I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. I do. But there is another weapon that God has given the believer called the power of his testimony that causes him to triumph over the forces of darkness in his life. Look at it. And they, that they is us. I said that they is us. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for the devils come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. I love that right there. Even the devil's on a leash. I want to deal with this phrase here in verse number 11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and specifically and by the word of their testimony. And if you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write this title down on your notes because this is a fresh word that God just gave me this week. Revelation chapter 12 verses 9 through 12. I want you to write this this statement down. Write this. The spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy. I want to talk to you tonight about the dimensions of the prophetic. Now, I'm believing that the real hungry people are here tonight. I want to talk about the dimensions of the prophetic. And those of you in the media booth, if you'll have these scriptures ready to go, let me give you the first dimension. There are four realms or four dimensions of the prophetic move of God. Four realms or four dimensions of the prophetic move of God. The first dimension of the realm of the prophetic is the word of prophecy. The word of prophecy. Look with me at the screen, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. 
And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. The King James says we have a more sure word of prophecy, which you do well to heed as the light shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Know this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe in the gift of prophecy. I believe in all of the manifestations of the prophetic. I love when the spirit of prophecy is loosed. But let me tell you, the first major dimension or realm of the prophetic is the word of prophecy. Or if I could say it like this, this is the word of God or the more sure word of prophecy. I don't care what his name is or her name is or how many books they've written. If somebody pulls you up, calls you and gives you a word from God and they say this is a word from the Lord, I don't care who it is, whether it's me, your pastor, anybody, you need to lay that word over the top of this word right here. And if it does not line up with the word of God, you need to throw that word in the trash because this is a more sure word of prophecy. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because the Bible says in the last days, seducing spirits and doctrines of demons will come into the body of Christ, causing them to abandon the faith. And in, in, in Timothy, when it talks about this, it's, it says in the Greek to violently throw away their faith. In other words, they'll be, they'll be the supernatural dimension that'll be unlocked in many churches and it'll be a false dimension that will cause people to literally not just leave the faith, depart from the faith. The word depart there is to violently throw away the faith. They'll rebel against the faith. I want to tell you, listen to me, church. We need to get back to studying the Word of God. You need to have a daily intake of the Word of God. Last year, I was in over 100 churches. I've stayed with pastors and church leaders. Let me tell you something I saw this last week in Ely, Nevada. The pastor, it was a small church. He put me in the home of one of his leaders. I got up at 4 a.m. in the morning, made my way into their kitchen to fix a cup of coffee, and I heard something. I went around the corner, and it was, it was a deacon sitting on the couch with his wife. They had their blankets up. They had their cup of coffee, and he was reading the Word of God to his wife. I went back to the room and cried like a baby because I've been in over a hundred churches and I haven't seen any leaders take out a Bible in their home and read the Word of God over their family, their children. Let me tell you something. You men in here, I'm challenging you. Get your family together at some point in the day and I don't care if it's just a chapter. You read the Word of God over them. The Word of God is a more sure word of prophecy. We've got to build our lives on the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me, right? 
Here's what we have happening in the body of Christ. We have so-called prophets running around giving prophetic words that have nothing to do with the alignment of Scripture. And we are releasing a demonic order over our lives when we surrender ourselves to a word and make it a more sure word than this word. So again, I'm going to say to you, the first dimension of the prophetic is the sure word of prophecy. This is the reason you ought to thank God that you've got pastors who will preach the word of God to you. They won't water it down. They don't, they don't try to back up on the hard things. They will tell you like it T-I is. They teach the word of God to you. Thank God for that. Because I'm telling you right now, I told pastor over a hundred churches I went to last year, there might be five or six that stood out to me as powerful churches. Most places I go to, I can't even teach like this because they, they, they have to be patted on the back or burped and have to have their diaper changed and I have to soft pedal them and tell them how good they are and make them feel good about themselves before we can ever do anything. I'm thankful that I can come into a church tonight, lay the book open and just say, here's what the Word of God says and people celebrate the purity and the authenticity of God's Word. First dimension of the prophetic is the sure word of prophecy. If you want to be used in the prophetic, get in this book. Get in this book. Second dimension of the prophetic is the office of the prophet. Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 11 says, Jesus gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, till we all come to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. I believe in the fivefold ministry. God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. There is such a thing called the office of a prophet. This is different than the gift of prophecy. The other thing that I'm seeing is people not only giving false words, but I'm also seeing as I travel people who are calling themselves prophets because God used them one time to give a tongue or interpretation in church. They are declaring themselves prophets now. Now I'm going to make a statement that might offend some of you, but I don't think there's many prophets in the land. In Israel, there was only a few running around. But isn't it amazing, we got prophet so-and-so on television. Every, every hour there's a prophet so-and-so on television. We got prophet so-and-so on YouTube, prophet so-and-so on Facebook. Let me tell you something, them calling themselves a prophet don't make them a prophet no more than going to McDonald's makes them a Happy Meal or Taco Bell makes them a burrito. And I'm going to tell you something. Here's how you know that you have a, the office of the prophetic in your midst. You discover a new anointing you don't know you have. I I have an anointing that I have discovered. I didn't know I have. But when you get around a prophet, it will show you that you have this anointing too. It's called the hiney tight anointing. Because when a real prophet comes around, your hiney will get tight. I was just with a prophet two weeks ago. I'm telling you, was the real deal. You know what I did before I got out there? My hiney got tight. I got before God and said, God, I, I think I've confessed every sin, but if there's anything I've looked over, I put that stuff under the blood right now. Don't let that prophet come out. 
No, see, y'all want those prophets who always prophesy good things to you. You know, God going to give you a breakthrough, and oh, there's divine visitation coming to your house, and they prophesying good things. But let me tell you something I've learned about the real prophets. When they walk into your house, they'll start talking about everything that's in your cupboard that don't need to be in your cupboard. Real prophets bring divine direction and divine insight to bring things back into order. real prophet will make you nervous. Samuel's coming to town? Oh, love you. Samuel, this is the guy that turns cities upside down. Samuel's coming to town. Y'all better get yourself right. You better get you and you and you. Listen, you and Darlene, y'all better go home and make up right now. You don't need that division. Don't come up in church with that. A real prophet. Another way you'll know that you're dealing with a real prophet is they usually have an anointing for national things. They shift nations and governments with their prophetic word. Prophets aren't just coming to give you a personal word. Prophets are giving you a word because it has the destiny of a nation in it. That's, that's the reason real prophets come into your life. They're not, they're not here to make you feel good. They're, they're, they're declaring the word of the Lord. They're forthtelling. So watch this. The first dimension of the prophetic is the word of prophecy, the word of God. The second dimension of the prophetic is the office of the prophet. Can I teach on? Thank you. I was going to anyway, but thank you for the approval. Number three, the third dimension of the prophetic is the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 10, talks about how the Holy Ghost gives nine gifts or nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit to the church. And the Bible says he does it severally as he will. One of those nine gifts is the gift of prophecy. Now what can happen is in the body of Christ, under the anointing, the Spirit of God, as he wills, can move upon a person to give a word from the Lord. And it is a prophetic unction. It is a prophetic utterance. It is a gift. But again, just because God uses you in this gift, and maybe because He uses you on a regular basis in this gift, this does not mean that you function in the office of a prophet. The Bible says that this gift is as the Holy Spirit wills. So Bill and Sue have been around my ministry when God begins to work in me in the word of knowledge and God will start giving me names and addresses and all kinds. I was in Nashville, Tennessee, about three or 4,000 people and I was preaching on a, on a Sunday night in uh, Jackson, um, Jackson Arena, I can't remember, conference hall, whatever it was, about 3,000 people there and I was preaching and all of a sudden I pulled this woman up and I said, lady, I said, God is going to deliver your son from drugs tonight. She said, my son's not an addict. My son don't do drugs front of 3,000 people. I said, honey, the Lord says he's going to deliver your son from drugs tonight. She said, my son is not a drug addict. Before I knew what happened, the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy came on me and the word of started working in tandem with the word of knowledge. And I said, and let me tell you what you do. I said, you go home. I said, I see this number. And whose number is that? She said, that's my house number. I said, I see an arch doorway over the top of your house. Is that true? She said, yes. I said, when you go in the door the, in, in your foyer, the, the stairway in your house goes up the left side of your wall. Is that true? She said, yes. I said, you walk up to the top of the steps. There's two bedrooms, one on the left, one on the right. Is that true? She said, yes. I said, go in the right bedroom. When you go by the right 
right door. As soon as you open the door, there's a Chester drawer sitting up against the wall. Is that right? She said, yeah. And I said, this Chester drawer has three drawers on the top row of it. I want you to go to the right Chester drawer, pull it out. This is where he keeps his socks. Go all the way to the back. You'll find the dope. And I said, I'm going to be preaching for about 45 more minutes. Go find the dope and bring your son. About 30 minutes, she come walking in the door holding the bag of dope and had her son in her arm. And God said, come on, that's the gift of prophecy and the gift of the word of knowledge. But that doesn't make me a prophet. So the Spirit of God can do it as He wills, and I can't turn it on and off. And so what I have found happen is I'll go to churches, and the Spirit of God will move like that, and the next thing I know, the pastor's calling me back saying, come and do it again. And they want me to come perform the dog and pony show to get people to come to the church because people want the supernatural. They are hungry for the supernatural. And so what they do is whenever the supernatural breaks out and it it becomes real to them, that there's a dimension that they don't see, it actually becomes real to them, they get more hungry for it and people show up. And so naturally the pastors, they come do it and I have to tell them, I can't just turn this on and off like a water spigot. This is as the Holy Ghost wills to build his church. And the gift of prophecy is primarily not not completely but primarily used for the edification exhortation and comfort of the body of Christ it is used within this setting the gift of prophecy so the first dimension watch now I'm going somewhere with this I'm just baiting you a little bit is the word of prophecy the second dimension of prophecy is the office of a prophet the third dimension of prophecy is the gift of prophecy but the fourth dimension which I want to talk about tonight is the spirit of prophecy. I want you to look at the screen with me, please, to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Look at verse 9 and 10. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, see that you don't do that. I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the, come on, the testimony of Jesus is the, the testimony of Jesus is the, so the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Here's the fourth dimension of the prophetic. It is the spirit of prophecy. Now there's an interesting verse or two in your Bible found in the book of Numbers chapter 11 concerning the life of Moses and something that he said. Look at it. It says, and a young man ran and told Moses. Now, here's the context. The people were crying out for something to eat. Moses is before God, and a young man runs into Moses and says, you need to know this, that Eldad and Medad. Now, I don't know who would name their kids Eldad and Medad. Please don't, please don't name your kids Eldad and Medad. Right? Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Now you would think Moses would say, hold it, I'm the prophet. I'm the prophet. But notice Moses' response in verse 28. He says, so Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men answered and said, Moses, my God, forbid him. 
stop them from prophesying in the camp. But Moses responds to them like this. He said, are you zealous for my sake? He said, oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Listen to the cry of Moses. The cry of Moses is, I wish that all God's people could see what I see. I wish that all God's people could walk in his glory like I walk in his glory. I wish that all God's people could be used in the gift of prophecy as the Spirit of God comes upon them. Moses was looking into another day that was to come when the outpouring of the Holy Ghost would come upon the church. And now that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is here, one of the primary jobs of the Holy Spirit is to show us things to come. So now the spirit of prophecy, the Holy Ghost, the same Holy Ghost that used Moses, the same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead, that Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. And so now the spirit of prophecy is working on the inside of you. How do I release the spirit of a prophecy. I might not be in the office of a prophet. I might not necessarily be used in the gift of prophecy, but everybody in this room can be used in the spirit of prophecy. And I'm going to teach you tonight for the next few minutes how to turn that prophetic gift. Everybody in here has got a prophetic gift that God wants to turn loose in your life. How many of you would like to be used in the prophetic? Let me see your hand. How do I get used in the prophetic? Here is how I turn the spirit of prophecy loose. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Here's what the Bible is saying. Whenever I testify about what Jesus did in me, notice the scripture, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Whenever I testify about what Jesus did for me, I release a prophetic unction over somebody's life. It becomes, it becomes a foretelling not only of what God did for me, but it becomes a prophetic word of what God is going to do for them. I'm convinced that the reason we're not seeing the miraculous like we used to is because we're not talking about what Jesus did for us. Folks, the liberals are talking about their agenda. Politicians are talking about their agenda. The LGBTQ community is talking about their agenda. The abortionists are talking about their agenda. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ isn't talking about the greatest person who has ever lived, the greatest story that has ever been told, the testimony of what Jesus did in them. You don't have to quote a lot of scripture to be prophetic. All you got to do is tell somebody, I was lost. Let me tell you how I was in the mud and the mire and in the ditch. Let me tell you how I was in addiction and God reached down in the cesspool that I was in and pulled me out. And when you release the testimony of Jesus, you not only overcome the devil yourself, you help somebody else overcome the devil in their life. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, i got to show you this. Can I take a few minutes and show you this? I love taking a principle and then showing you how it actually happened in Scripture. 
Because now it makes it practical for me. See, I'm just dumb like that. I'm just simple like that. I want you to look with me at Luke chapter 6, verse 17. And he, now this is Jesus, came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples. And a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sodom came to hear and to what? Okay, first of all, the only reason I would come to hear a new preacher is because somebody told me there was a good preacher in town. So somebody's doing some talking, testifying about how a message changed their life. And it has sparked faith for somebody else to come and hear, hoping that a message will change their life. But then the Bible says, and to be healed, which tells me somebody had been healed and had been out talking that Jesus was a healer. And it's, watch this, somebody's testimony of healing stirred faith in somebody that was sick. The testimony of Jesus became the spirit of prophecy. My deliverance becomes a prophetic utterance prophesying the deliverance of somebody else. See, we want this old wooey thing, you know, this ethereal thing. You know, you want your eyes to roll back in your head and almost look like you're demon possessed, and woo, you shut blah blah blah. You want to give a word, uh, 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 you know? Can I tell you, you can be prophetic without being pathetic? I'm gonna say it again. I said you can be prophetic without being pathetic. Did you know you can just be real? You can just be authentic. You can just be a normal human being who has struggles in life, and you can have the spirit of prophecy work in you by simply saying, Hey, I know your life's messed up, but let me tell you how my life was messed up, and let me tell you what Jesus did in me. Let's go to the next verse as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. Uh-oh, somebody had been delivered from demonic spirits, and they're out running their mouth. Right? Now notice, and they what? And they what? Notice, the testimony of Jesus became the spirit of prophecy for other people who were bound, who were afflicted, oppressed, who were sick. The testimony of Jesus became a prophetic word. I'm preaching good now. Verse number 19, and the whole multitude sought to touch him. They sought to touch him. For power went out from him and healed them all. Now, I want everybody to look right here because I'm getting ready to move real fast. We're going into warp speed. Here comes Jesus. He's standing up on a mountainside. The Sea of Galilee's behind him. Here's a great multitude of people come out. And the Bible says they come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Some of them tormented evil spirits. And the Bible says all they wanted to do was but touch him. If I can just touch him. You know, if you're on a mat and you're sick and you can't get up, if you could just reach and touch him, maybe you could hit a toenail or something. Right? Maybe I could touch a hem of his garment. I could get well, right? So as Jesus was passing by, the Bible says he healed them all. He healed them all. Well, let me show you what happened when he healed them all because something happened. It set off a chain reaction. 
Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 48. Look at this. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him. Now he's come back to, to Capernaum now. So he's left that spot that he was in. In Luke chapter 8, he's come back to Capernaum for they were all waiting for him. Wonder why they were waiting for him. Because they heard what happened a few miles away. Somebody down there got healed. Somebody down there got delivered, ran to Capernaum and said, I got to tell y'all what Jesus did for me. And the testimony of Jesus became the spirit of prophecy for Capernaum. Oh, my goodness. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had only an only daughter about 12 years of age. She was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. wonder why they were trying to all seek but touch him. Luke chapter 6, the Bible says they all sought to just touch him. See, the word has traveled. You don't have to get to him if you could just somehow or another just reach in there and touch him. Wonder where they got that idea. All right, notice this. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years spent all that her livelihood on physicians could not be healed by any. Came from behind and touched the border or the hem of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Now Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? Because power went out from him, healed this woman. But we need to get the rest of the story. The rest of the story is found in Mark chapter 5 in a parallel gospel of this story. Let me give you some details in Mark chapter 5 that aren't found in Luke chapter 8. Look at Mark chapter 5 verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Same story, same woman. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. Why? Is she trying to touch his garment? Next verse. For she said, if I only can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. Now, one translation says she said within herself. She said within herself. Now, I wonder, why did a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years all of a sudden start talking to herself? If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll get well. Well, let me tell you where that idea came from. Over here in Luke chapter 6, here's a great multitude, and there's some sick folks, and they're laying on a mat. So what we have is we have Barbara over here. She's laying on a mat. She can't get up. But Jesus came by, and Barbara reached out her hand, touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Barbara got healed. Well, Barbara lives in Capernaum. So Barbara ran over to Capernaum. She gets to Capernaum and gets to Susie's house. And she said, girl... You better get your weave on. You ain't going to believe what happened to me. Susie said, oh, my God, Barbara, what is going on with you? Last time I saw you, you couldn't even walk, girl. They are having to carry you around on a stretcher. Yeah, girl, that's what happened to me. I went there. I heard Jesus. Somebody told me about Jesus, told me that he was a healing evangelist. He's preaching. I told him I wanted to go hear that dude. So they took me, and I couldn't get in. You know, I just laid out there in the street. But here come Jesus. He just happened to be walking down the path. Girl, I couldn't touch him. I, I was crying. I was hoping he was going to lay his hands on me. But I figured he didn't even see me. So you know what I did? I just tried to sneak a, I just tried to sneak a touch. I reached out, and when I hit the hem of his garment, power hit my body. Next thing I know, I jumped up off that bed. I felt better than I've felt in 30 years. I ain't ever felt this good. <clears throat> Susie said, well, Barbara, 
you think he could do the same thing for me? He, she said, girl, I'm telling you right now, I know it's dangerous because you got an issue of blood. You ain't supposed to be out in public. But I'm going to tell you what I'm gonna, I know right now. I heard through the grapevine. I heard it through the grapevine. How much longer will you be mine? Come on, somebody. I heard it through the grapevine that he's on his way to Capernaum here in just a few hours. God, I got to get up and get myself rest. She started getting her hair dressed, getting her makeup on, got herself all put together, tried to disguise herself a little bit, and she followed, started following Jesus, and she was looking for a moment. And she said within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment. Why is she saying that in herself? Because she heard a testimony from somebody else that touched the hem of his garment and got well. And she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, he'll do for me what he did for her. Watch this. The testimony of Jesus in one group of people came the spirit of prophecy for another group of people over here that was hurting. See, the devil wants to shut you up. This morning I talked about him shutting, just Jesus shutting him up. But the devil wants to shut you up because he knows that you overcome him by the blood of the lamb, but you also overcome him by the word of your testimony. Do you know what Conway, Arkansas needs? It needs some people at church alive to start running into the streets telling them what Jesus did for me. Anybody in, here had any, anybody in here had Jesus do something for you? See, now that we got the devil shut up, I need to get you to speak up. That's what I almost named this message tonight, speak up. You need to start speaking up. Get around the water cooler. They talking and gossiping. Oh, man. I just found out Bobby, he's over here dating another girl. Well, girl, let me tell you, I found a man you can date won't never leave you. No, that's what happened with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. She done had, she done had, watch this now, five, five husbands. Everybody say five. And now she's shacked up with six. Everybody say six. Six is the number of man. But flesh can't satisfy you. So you got to meet the seventh man. You got to meet the seventh man. But when she finally met the seventh man, all the men that she was fooling with in town that couldn't help her get pregnant, all those men, she went back to them and said, y'all ain't going to believe this. I've been fooling around with all of y'all, but I just met a man that turned my life upside down, and I got to tell you about how good he is. Uh, can I give you another one? Mark chapter 6. Check this out. Oh, my gosh. Everybody say the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I would that all God's people become prophets tonight. I want everybody in here to become a prophet. Start prophesying. Start prophesying. Well, how do I do it? Just tell them what Jesus did. Just tell them what Jesus did. Check this out. Now, when they had crossed over, now Jesus has gotten in a boat now with his disciples. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And they anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him. Somebody had a lookout. 
check this out, and ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever that they heard that he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, and the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just but touch the... Wonder where they got that idea from. Well, it started over here in Luke chapter 6. Barbara touched the hem of his garment. She got up, ran to Capernaum, said, Girl, he's going to be here. He's on his way. All I did was touch the hem of his garment. I didn't even have to give an offering. I touched the hem of his garment. Power hit me. Susie, been battling for 12 years. She's sneaking through the crowd. I don't have to touch him. Barbara told me I just touched the hem of his garment. I get well. She, she, she said within herself, if I'm able to touch the hem of his garment. Susie touches the hem of his garment. She gets well. Do you know what Susie does? She takes off running over to Gennesaret. The woman with the issue of blood, she turns into a marathon. Dun, 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 dun. She runs over to Gennesaret. She goes up in the marketplace and says, Hey, I need everybody to listen to me because you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. I'm about to lay something down you ain't ever heard before. I've been to every doctor. They took my money. I'm broke, busted, and disgusted, still sick as I ever was. But I had a, I had a girlfriend who was at a Jesus movement party. She touched the hem of his garment, run over to my house, told me if I could touch the hem of his garment, I'd be well. So I said within myself, if that girl can do it, I could do it too. So I jumped up and ran into town. He was coming through town. I just snuck in there and got me a little piece of that garment. Well, sure enough, exactly what happened to her happened to me. And I got to tell you something. He just got in a boat. And he's on his way over here to this town. If I was y'all, I'd get somebody up there on that rock. And I'd be looking for him. What's he look like? Well, he's kind of dark brown. He got long black hair. He got a beard. Got some green eyes. He's a manly looking dude. Kind of a good looking thing. I'm telling you right now, if I wasn't married, I'd ask him out on a date. He's a good looking dude. And he's with 12 guys. They're not much to talk about, but he's with 12 guys. But when you see him pull, if you see 13 men in a boat and they roll up on the shore, you better take off and get everybody that's sick because the last place he was, he healed everybody there. <laughs> Woo! So here's old Boudreaux. Looking like Bubba Gump. All of a sudden, he spots 13 men. He got his looking glass. One, two, three. <laughs> Tommy, come over here, count them. I can't count to 13. Come on, it's Boudreaux. Help me, somebody. Sure enough, there's 13 men. What does he do? He said, hey, that guy, that, that woman, that crazy woman that ran over here from Capernaum told us about, he just pulled up at the boat dock. They said, oh, Lord, get them all. Get everybody sick, everybody demon-possessed, everybody afflicted, and bring them to the street. And whenever they saw Jesus come, they said, Jesus, you ain't even got to touch them. Just get close enough that they can touch the hem of your garment. Where did they get the idea? The testimony of Jesus became the spirit of prophecy.
We got the church all tight-lipped. We, we, we scared we're going to offend them. Oh, no, no. You know, we don't want to talk about that crazy stuff because that might scare them all. You know, we don't, we don't want that tongues interpretation in church and all that prophesying that we're not. Because you know what's going to happen? We start doing that, that's going to scare them off. Can I give you a word from God? You're dealing with a generation who's watching vampires have sex on television. A tongue and interpretation ain't going to scare them. They watching ghosts. I just came from New Orleans on Jackson Square where warlocks and witches are set up all around on tables. Hundreds of young people pour into these warlocks and witches to have tarot cards read and palm read. And you think you're going to scare them by a move of the Holy Ghost? You think you're going to offend them by talking about what Jesus did for you? I'm telling you, you need to open your mouth. You need the righteous are as bold as a lion. Come on, somebody. We need to get bold about Jesus. So I get on a plane and I love it. I sit on a plane and first thing people ask me, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I make them guess. You guess. They never get it right. Never get it right. They're shocked when I tell them I'm a preacher. But then you know what I follow up with? Well, let me tell you my story. I was 12 years old. I was raised in a house that if you said Jesus, I was thought he was another brand of Coke. I didn't even know who he was. And at the age of 12, the Lord appeared to me and introduced himself to me. I gave my life at the age of 12 to Christ. At the age of 12, the next Sunday, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit? Oh, Carol, you ain't going to believe this. I mean, this thing will come on you. You start talking like it. You know, you, the eyes get real big. Well, what happens when that comes on you? you? Crazy stuff. You can start laying hands on the sick and they shall recover. You can take up deadly things and they will not harm you. You see, it's how you present it. I start talking about how Jesus in my church in Louisiana healed a blind man. Couldn't get our church to grow for nothing. Tried every message I had. Tried to be cute. Couldn't make it happen. Sat on my little stool, tell everybody a cute story. Nothing would make my church grow. But on a Sunday night, Jesus came in the room. And a man who was blind, God healed him in front of everybody. Do you know what that blind man did? He run out, and the testimony of Jesus became the spirit of prophecy. Watch this. Without Facebook, without Instagram, without Snapchat, without a newspaper, without the radio station, without a television station, we went on Sunday night, 100 people. Monday night, 1,000 people. Wow. The testimony of Jesus became the spirit of prophecy. How many want to see the church alive explode? I've come tonight to challenge you. Listen, today we shut the enemy up. We know that, that we've got a God in heaven who's shutting the enemy up on our behalf. But it's time for the church to speak up. 
It's time for us to let our voice be heard. It's time for us to talk about the goodness of God in the land of the living. It's time for us to lift Jesus high, put the devil low. It's time to magnify him and give him the glory that he deserves. It's time to herald who he is, that he is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. Come on, talk about him as a healer. Talk about him as a deliverer. Talk about him as a way maker. Talk about him as a provider. Talk about him as peace in the middle of the storm. Talk about him as a savior of your kids. Talk about him. And they, everybody say, that's me. Overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony. Thank God for prophets. We need them. But everybody in this room has the spirit of prophecy. Now let me show you what happens. When you get under the anointing of a good church, this is why a good church environment is so important. You get under the anointing of a good church, it stirs the spirit and the gift of prophecy in you. Now let me tell you what takes place whenever you start sharing in the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus. It releases the gift of prophecy of the Holy Ghost in your life. And the next thing you know, God starts giving you things. So this afternoon, I was in my hotel room, and I heard the Lord say, tonight I'm going to heal intestinal issues. If you have an intestinal issue, I need you to stand, because tonight is your night for healing. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Mm. Now, you guys remain standing. Is there somebody in here who used to battle a test, a te, a, a intestinal issue and you've been healed? Huh? Have, did you battle something, girl? Is that the reason you're standing? Come here. <clears throat> That's all right. No, don't oh gosh. We just talked about sharing. Get up here bold as a lion. Mm. No, you, when you, listen, when you was out doing your sin, you went, oh God. No, no. no. You crazy. You radical. Come on, suck it up. You radical. You a lion chaser. You a, you a square your shoulders, spit in the devil face kind of girl. You, you a devil don't mess with me kind of woman. You a, right? <clears throat> So tell us what you used to have. Um, I had all kinds of intestinal issues. I had H. pylori. I had um, like uh, duodenal ulcers. I had gastric or gastritis uh, for several years. Um, I just like I had all kinds of intestinal issues. Um, I can't. I can't and what happened? Um, they went away, and the doctors tried giving medicine. The medicine didn't work, and prayer prayer worked a lot, a lot of prayer, um, and a lot of antibiotics, but. Like, oh, that's not even like the biggest miracle that God, God has done in my life. There's a microphone. Well, what's the other biggest miracle? In 2012, I was, um, I was an alcoholic. 
And I was drinking and driving. My blood alcohol was 0.268. I had a tree going over 100 miles an hour, and I had a triple thoracic aortic aneurysm. I ruptured my aorta. All right, stop, because I'm going to show you how the Lord uses me. Everybody who has a heart condition, I need you to stand up right now if you're fighting a heart condition. All right, keep telling your story. Um, they kept me. In you had an aortic what? Tell uh, aneurysm, a triple thoracic aortic aneurysm. My aortic arch ruptured into two pieces. They don't know how I survived. I laid there for two days before the doctors found it. Um, I had, uh, they took me in. They went in through my femoral artery and placed a stent in my aortic arch. And um, they kept me in a medically induced coma for uh, close to two weeks. Um, and when I came out of the out of the coma. Um, I still wanted to drink. Um, I can honestly say I, I still wanted to, and I left the hospital two days after waking up out of a coma AMA against medical advice, and I'm still walking, and I'm a walking, talking miracle. Mm -hmm. I mean, God has used me in so many ways, and I just pray he continues to use me and heal me. I mean, because mm -hmm. Lord knows I'm not done yet. So, isn't that awesome? All right. So how long you been free now? November 27th um, of last year was seven years. All right. I need everybody in here who has a November 27th connection to stand up. November connection, stand up. If you have a November 27th connection. There's a reason we're doing this because we're getting ready to pray and God's getting ready to do miracles all over this house. Mm -mm. Just now figure it out. Huh? I can't hear you. Come up here. What's yours? You have an anniversary. Come up here. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Now, see, I told you that sometimes the Lord just starts working me in this, and I don't have any control over this, but God's getting ready to do something for everybody in this room that is standing When I've, I've got my arm right, do you have children? I have three. I have three. Now, because you shared your testimony, God's getting ready to restore everything that was lost with those three. And you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. Hang on, hang on. See, don't tell me nothing because okay. I'm operating. Sit down. What, <laughs> now, now tell them what you just now, I, told you, I just told you God's getting ready to restore that. Tell them, tell them what you just said. I just got to see my children yesterday for the first time since Christmas. Now, aren't you glad I put a microphone in front of your face? Yes. <laughs> but this is the way the devil works. He wants to keep you silent. He wants to keep you quiet because he knows that as long as you don't open your mouth, that you can't overcome him. The blood is not the only thing that gets you to overcome. It's the word of your testimony. 
that makes you overcome. Right? Mm -hmm. All right. Now, if somebody is standing up close to you, I need everybody in this room that's standing to have one person behind them with your right hand on them right now. I need you to jump up. If somebody's standing up beside you, I need one person for each person. Put your right hand on them. I need two men right here. You come to her. Now, how many of you in this room, if the Lord gives you a miracle tonight, you vow an oath before God that you're going to testify and tell people what Jesus did for you? Now, pastor, if God does these miracles tonight and they go to talking, next Sunday you're not going to have enough room. Y'all ready? Now, I believe when I pray, miracles are getting ready to be released in this room. Now, baby, I want to pray for you. Come. You come up here. You come up here with her. You come with her. Stand right here to my right side. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is a woman in this room tonight. You need a divine intervention in your house, and you need it to happen in the next 48 hours. And I don't know who this is for. There is a woman in the room tonight. You need a divine intervention in your house, and you need it in the next 48 hours. Wow. Whoever that's for, you better stand. Right here, you come with her and bring her. What's your name, baby? Julie. Julie? Can you tell me what, what it is? All right. Where's the motel at? Where's that at? All right. Pastor, I want you to take part of my honorarium. I want you to pay for her a week of hotel. One week. I, no, I got to sew because it's important for me. A week for hotel. Stand up, baby. Stand up. So this afternoon when I was in prayer, I saw a girl in black with black hair, but I saw her from the back. And I don't know why I saw from the back. I, I, I don't know what this means, but I saw from the back, and I saw this girl crying out to God saying, I need you to do this. So when I looked back there and saw you in this black shirt, this is what I saw in my hotel room this afternoon. Now, I'm going to put my hands on you. And God's not only going to provide for you, but God's going to deliver you tonight.
And what the Bible says, old things pass away, all things are going to become new. It's going to be a totally different life for you. You look much better in your future than you look right now. Did you bring her tonight? How did you get here? Somebody give her a tissue. Give her a tissue. Give her a tissue. You brought her? Yes. How do you know her? Here you go, baby girl. There is another woman here that has a black garment on as well, like an overthrow, and you need a divine intervention in your house. There's another woman with a black, like a garment. I think it's like a sweater overthrow is what I'm seeing. And you need a divine intervention in your house. I'm telling you, if that's you, you better not hide. You need to run up here right now because God's getting ready to give everybody who's standing a miracle in this room. Okay, when the Lord starts doing this with me, I know that this is real. You got kids, baby girl? Huh? Yeah? Come up here, Mom. Right here. Come right here. Jesus. My, my, my. All right, I need a woman to come put your hands on Mama here. I need a spirit-filled woman to come put your hands on Mama. Come pray. You got her? Y'all got her? Shh. You deserve the glory. And the honor, Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor, Lord, we lift our hands in worship. As we lift your holy name, for you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. For you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. Now some of you in here saying, Behold a pastor, I need a miracle and I'm not standing. Well, you know, the Bible says that even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. If I were you, I'd slide over close to somebody who's about to get the miracle so the residue of their miracle would get off on you. The testimony of what Jesus is doing for them is going to become the spirit of prophecy for you right now. So everybody in this room, how about let's stand up. Let's stand up. And let's lift our hands and our hearts and let's lift our voices and let's just worship God for what He's about to do in this room. Come on, let's lift our hands, our hearts. You deserve the glory 
and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Oh, yes. Lord, we lift our hands in worship. Yes, God. As we lift your holy name, for you are great. My, 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 my. I feel the glory of God in this room. There is no one else For you are There's a woman in here, you've been contemplating suicide. I bind the spirit of suicide and death that's trying to lay hold on you. The hopelessness, the lie that has been told to you that you are without hope. I bind that spirit off of you right now in the name of Jesus. The best is ahead, it's not behind. I bind that spirit off of you right now in the name of Jesus, and I loose the life and the joy of the Holy Ghost into your innermost being right now in Jesus' name. Now, come on, we're going to worship. Oh, you deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy. Come on, I can't hear you. Lord, we lift our hands and worship. Yes. Every heart, every voice, come on, you are great. Come on, church family. There is no one else like you, for you There is no one else like you. There is no. Come on, sing it. You are great. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. You are great. You do miracles so Now, while they sing that, get those hands up. Here comes the glory of God. Reach out and grab the hem of his garment. His train is filling the temple right now. Reach out and grab the hem of his garment. Receive your miracle tonight. In the name of Jesus, I release the power of God into your situation. For you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. 
There is no one else. There is no one else. For you are great. There is no one. Now, while the musicians play without singing, can we lift our voices right now and begin to praise God for what he's done? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Glory, 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 glory. There's nobody like you. Come on, tell him tonight. There's nobody like you. Oh, there's nobody like you. You're holy, you're full of glory, and there's nobody like you. You're holy, you're full of glory, and there's nobody like you. Come on, tell him, you're holy, you're full of glory, there's nobody like you. You're holy, you're full of glory, nobody like you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's nobody like you. Yeah, Lord, you're my healer. You're my way maker. There's nobody like you. Nobody. Nobody like you. Nobody. Nobody like you. Breathe, Holy Ghost, breathe, Holy Ghost, breathe in this place. Lord, tonight before we close this service, we prophesy to the dry bones of this valley. We prophesy to the dry bones of Conway, Arkansas. We prophesy to the dry bones of dead religion. We prophesy, Lord. We say to the bones, live. We say to the bones, arise, a mighty army. Lord, I pray right now that you would send out a heralding call from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Let there begin to be this talking in the streets. Let there begin to be the whisper around the dinner tables at night that there's a move of God going on at Church Alive. Let the Spirit of God begin to move on people's hearts as they drive down the road, put a hook in their jaw, and draw them into this place. We decree revival. We decree revival. Decree a revolution that is taking place and birthing at Church Alive. Because you're holy, full of glory, and there's nobody like you. Nobody like you.
There's nobody, 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 nobody like you. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, Lord. Take us past the outer court. Take us through the holy place. Take us tonight into that dimension in you. Take us into the glory realm. The glory realm. The glory realm where we cease from our labor. Where we cease from our labor. Where we don't have to build it. Where we don't have to push it. Where that which has already been done is seen in the earth. Lord, we say let your kingdom come right here, right now, as it is in this heavenly dimension. Because you're holy, 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 you're holy, you're holy, you're holy. You're holy. You're holy. I said he is holy. He's holy. Yes, you're holy. You're so, so, so holy. So holy, so holy. Now I'm about to give the microphone back to Pastor, but for 30 seconds, here's what I want us to do. I want every hand lifted in this room. For 30 seconds, I want you to lift up your prayer language in the Spirit. Everybody who's filled with the Holy Ghost, I don't want you to pray like a church mouse. I want you to roar like a lion right now in this room. Roar like a lion. Begin to let the Holy Spirit begin to pray through you. Come on. Yeah, that's it. Come on. Hey, where are the warriors tonight? Where are my warriors tonight? Come on, lift it up for your house. Come on, lift it up for your own house right now. Come on, lift it up a little more. Come on, be a little more aggressive for your own house. Come on, come on, all your children. Come on, your spouses. Come on, your children. Come on, 
Come on, spirit of prophecy, hit my house. Come on, somebody, hit my house. Hit my house. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, there it is. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, just keep doing that. I'm not going to think the way I used to think. Hallelujah. Tonight, I got a new perspective. Hallelujah. Tonight, I'm going to live in a new dimension this week. Hallelujah. I'm going to live and walk and think. And in Him, I live and move and have my being. Hallelujah. My life is in the Spirit. Hallelujah. I'm going to build on the word of my testimony. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout it out. Now with the word I've got, if God be for me, who can be against me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alcoholism is broken off. Math is broken off. Hallelujah. I heard that as the man of God was working. It's broke off. Come on, somebody say alcoholism broke off of my house. Broke out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to walk in the power of his spirit. Hallelujah. I've got a new mind. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody, quickly, one more time. You know, we do that a lot around here. Just lift your hands up. Come on, just, and just, 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 just breathe in the Holy Ghost. Just let him breathe on you. Hallelujah. Come on, feel how light that is. Hallelujah. 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 Ooh, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, doesn't that feel good? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, wow. Hallelujah. 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 Carissa, may be easier for you to kind of come around here if you don't mind. I want you to pray over us. Hallelujah. 
just want you, just want you, before we leave, I just want you to pray over us. Hallelujah. Just. Holy Spirit, we want to sit and dwell in your presence. Let us never lose sight of this moment that we have with you. And let us move from this place of encounter to a place of living in this realness of who you are. Holy Spirit, we put you first. Not out of an obligation, but out of a desire to be with you, to dwell with you, to move with you. When you move, let us move. We want to feel you. We want to hear you louder than all other voices that speak into us. And let us speak loudly of who you are. Speak loudly of what you've done and what you will do because you are good regardless of situation, regardless of the thing that we're facing. You are always good. Holy Spirit, we thank you that your arms are open wide to us. And we say yes to everything you have for us, Jesus. In return, we say yes to you, to this call that you call us on, this walk that we walk with you, we say yes. Now just lift your hand and tell the Lord, thank you for letting me touch you this way. Come on, not only did he touch you, you touched him. You heard the word tonight. Say, thank you, Lord, for letting me touch you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody want to live in this? I said, does anyone want to live in this? Huh? It's good to be together, but you don't have to come back to this building. You are. How many, how many know? How many heard the word today? It's in you. Might be in your shed tomorrow. Spirit of God be on you. Amen. Wave your hand at me if you received anything. Anybody hungry for more? Thank you, man of God, for being obedient, for listening, for not editing anything, not diluting anything not holding back. Thank you for coming to stir the church alive. Thank you coming for stir me some more. I love you, Shane Warren. I love the God that moves through you. My family and I are here for you and your family. You tell Pam that. You tell Adam that. Keep hugging those trees, partner. It's working out real good. Amen. Follow, look up social stuff. Follow Shane Warren. Find out how to send him what the Lord tells you to send him. To 
tonight still you want to give to him, you want to you get online, go out there to the kiosk, there's abundance box back there you can give in. Tomorrow you might want to move something, shift it. Amen. Aren't you glad you came tonight? Huh? I'm telling you, she was something, buddy. What's your name? Yes, Augusta. Like Augusta, Georgia, golf, national. I'd really love you. Yeah. Doesn't everybody just look better? Come on, look around you. There's nobody ugly here. Everybody just looks great. Praise God. Tell Shane Warren you love him. Come on. Come on. Well, I know you got a lot of places to go and be, Shane Warren, but you can be at the Church Alive any day of the week you want to be here. I'll come Thursday at 2. I don't care. Amen. Amen. Don't you feel good in this? I guess we got to go, but I'm not. I could just, you know. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. See you Wednesday night. See you Sunday. Hey, go tell somebody. Go tell somebody. Go tell somebody. God bless you.